This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 132 A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPP and Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1986. Life is such a sweet insanity. The more you learn, the less you know. In the heart of every family, there's a love that starts by letting go. Valerie, a.k.a. Valerie's Family, a.k.a. The Hogan Family, premiered on NBC on March 1st, 1986 at 8.30 p.m. A show with more action backstage than on screen. Valerie Harper returns to series TV playing Valerie Hogan, a working mom, she's a buyer at an auction house, who has to deal with three teenage sons, David, Jason Bateman, Willie, Danny Ponce, and Mark, Jeremy Licht while her husband Michael, Josh Taylor, works mostly out of town as an airline pilot. Valerie has a BFF, Barbara, Christine Ebersol. There were some changes in season two. Barbara was gone, replaced by Annie, Judith Cahan, the next-door neighbor. Edie McClurg was brought in as a nosy neighbor, and Tom Hodges played David's friend. Valerie was now a freelance graphic artist, so she could work from home. Then, the big shakeup. Valerie Harper left the series for reasons we'll cover in a moment. Sandy Duncan played Sandy Hogan, Valerie's sister-in-law, who came in to help take care of the boys. Willard Scott, yeah, the weather guy, started recurring playing McClurg's husband. Steve Whitting came in as David's new friend. Later on, Mark got a steady girlfriend and later wife, Kara, Josie Bissett, while Willie got Brenda, Angela Lee. Grandpa Lloyd, John Hillerman, moved in late in the series. We covered Valerie Harper in episode 56 for The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Jason Bateman in episode 124 for It's Your Move, Judith Cahan in episode 76 for Doc, Edie McClurg in episode 85 for The Calacax, Sandy Duncan in episode 59 for Funny Face, a.k.a. The Sandy Duncan Show, and John Hillerman in episode 85 for The Betty White Show. Danny Ponce already had a run on Knott's Landing and the film Oh God, You Devil, along with several guest roles prior to Valerie. He only had a few roles after that, but is currently in Here to There, produced and directed by Jeremy Licht, who had no other regular TV roles, just a lot of guest spots and Twilight Zone the movie. Josh Taylor played football for Dartmouth and got a law degree before working the Alaska Pipeline and managing an L.A. restaurant. There he made contacts and decided to try acting. He quickly got a role on Days of Our Lives, which lasted four years. He only left the role due to the events in Valerie, we're getting to it, and would return much later. He also appeared on Soap's The Young and the Restless and Beverly Hills 90210. Taylor also got his own short-run detective series, Riker. 
Christine Ebersol got her start on Broadway. Angel Street, I Love My Wife, On the 20th Century, The 1979 Oklahoma, The 2001 42nd Street, and a Tony Wynn, The 2002 Dinner at Eight, Grey Gardens, a second Tony Wynn, and a Drama Desk Award. She had a short run on Ryan's Hope, then became an SNL cast member for a year, followed by Tootsie and Amadeus taking her to Valerie. She played the mom in the MST Mac and Me, as well as Ghost Dad, Dead Again, My Girl 2, True Crime, The Wolf of Wall Street. Ebersol would return to TV in The Kavanaugh's, Rachel Gunn RN, Inc., Related, Retired at 35, Sullivan and Son, Royal Pains, Madam Secretary, Steven Universe, Voice Work, Search Party, and is currently Dottie on Bob Hart's Abishola. She also performs cabarets and has appeared on multiple albums. Her niece is the West Wing's Janel Maroney. This was Tom Hodge's only regular TV work, but did a lot of TV movies and guest spots with films Critters 2 and Steel Magnolias. Willard Scott was, in fact, the weatherman for the Today Show for decades. I guess NBC wanted to see if he could spread his wings dramatically. He originally teamed with Ed Walker on a long-running Washington, D.C. radio show, Joy Boys. He split his time doing that and local kids' TV shows, including the local Bozo the Clown. This led to Scott becoming the first to play Ronald McDonald. He reportedly created the character for local ads. A part-time gig as a TV weatherman led to an offer to do the same for the Today Show in 1980, which he did until 1996 before going into semi-retirement. He would continue doing the Smucker's Jelly 100th birthday announcements through 2015 when he formally retired at age 81. He also hosted events like parades and the Pillsbury Bake Off and wrote multiple fiction and non-fiction books. Valerie was Steve Whitting's only regular TV work. He recurred on The Outsider decades later, with the rest of his time split between TV guest roles and films Batman Returns, Hoffa, Dave, The Men Who Stare at Goats, Shutter Island, Men in Black 3, The Wolf of Wall Street, The Post, Game Night, and The Irishman. Josie Pissett was a model at age 12 for TV commercials and print ads. She had appeared in a few films and some TV guest roles before Valerie. She quickly went on to become a regular on Melrose Place with regular or recurring roles on The Secret Life of the American Teenager, When Calls the Heart, Wedding March, and film The Doors. Angela Lee Sloan was a dancer in the film version of Annie, performed the voice of Lucy Van Pelt in the Peanuts shows of the 80s, and at one point was a cast member of Kids Incorporated. She had a run on Who's the Boss prior to Valerie. Valerie moved its way up the ratings for the first two seasons, although it bobbed in and out of the top 30, hitting 2.9 on the Bazinga scale overall. Harper and her husband-slash-producer Tony Cacciati took more creative control in the second season, moving toward more realistic storylines. At one point, David and his girlfriend discuss having sex, and the word condom was used for the first time in U.S. prime time. A content warning was added, and some affiliates refused to air it or did so outside of primetime. In another episode, Willie, who doesn't have a license, gets into a car crash, and after admitting he did so, Valerie assumes David did it as he has a license, figures, using TV logic, that he will be praised for admitting his guilt. Instead, Valerie comes down on him, and the episode ends. At the end of season two, Harper decided to pull the same strategy she had done on Rhoda, she refused to come back without a major pay increase and a larger cut of future syndication. This worked on Rhoda, the network caved. 
not this time. Negotiations dragged on and it went public. Meanwhile, NBC chief Brandon Tartikoff, who just wanted the issue to go away, had what's called a holding contract with Sandy Duncan. This is done to keep a creative available, unable to accept any long-term work, while the studio or network pays them to essentially stay home. So it was decided to kill two birds with one stone. Harper was out. Duncan was in. Harper caved initially after an agreement was made, then balked again, forcing the show to write around her for a few episodes. NBC and the studio, Lorimar, used this as evidence Harper was dealing in bad faith and pulled the trigger. The show was renamed Valerie's Family, and her character was killed in an auto accident. NBC announced that the show would realistically deal with her death. This was a momentous move since the show had her name in it. Shows had previously changed cast. We've talked about Suzanne Summers and Three's Company, for example. There's also cases like Petticoat Junction, but that involved a cast member, B. Benaderet, dying of cancer, forcing a recast. And then there are soaps where an actor is dropped and replaced when they ask for more money, but the new actor just takes over the same role. This was a case where a character was killed off on a sitcom and replaced due to contract issues. Meanwhile, Harper and NBC Lorimar fought the case in court with Harper pushing the idea that the show had already been taken away from her. In reality, Bateman, clearly on the rise as an actor, was getting more screen time. Eventually, Harper won the case, getting $1.82 million in damages. But by that point, it was a fait accompli, with the show renamed again The Hogan Family. The third season opener dealt with Valerie's death and the addition of Duncan's character. Valerie's widow took a new job so he could be at home more often. The third episode involved a house fire that mirrored the family's existing grief. Ever capitalistic, the episode had a McDonald's tie-in with commercials promoting fire safety. The show continued for three more seasons after that. At one point, they went to Paris, where David falls in love with a princess, so much for realistic storylines. David's friend Rich had gone along with them on the trip and decided to stay there. A year later, Rich returned as an AIDS patient. The family rallied around him, then the show moved ahead three months when David announced Rich's death. By this point, NBC had already canceled the series, and it switched to CBS for its final season. The show was still doing okay in terms of ratings, but by 1990, okay wasn't good enough for NBC. The show did very poorly at CBS and was pulled after only a few months, with the remaining episodes, including a Christmas episode, burned off the next summer. The show was canceled during a hiatus, and so the storylines were never resolved. When the show was moved to syndication, all episodes were renamed The Hogan Family, with the opening excluding Harper as much as possible. Of course, she was still in the first two seasons of episodes. It then moved from PAX TV to ABC Family and later to Antenna TV. Despite the show's long run, but probably due to all the legal issues, it's not available on the streaming services. I did watch an episode on Daily Motion, the one with the cast switch. The opening theme is generic 80s sitcom pop. The episode itself, titled Moving On, drops the bombshell in passing. Widow Michael mentions that he's getting spoiled coming home every night now that he's teaching at the flight center. David just blurts it out. It's been six months since mom died, and I think it's time you got back into the air. Boom! Sandy Duncan drops into the show like the pro she is. There's a boatload of exposition doing yeoman's work. Edie McClurg is a national treasure. 
there's an awe movement at the end, per 80s sitcom rules. Fast Times premiered on CBS on March 5, 1986 at 8 p.m. Based on the 1982 film produced by the director of that film, Amy Heckerling, and the writer of the film, Cameron Crowe, as creative consultant, Moon Unit Zappa, who had just graduated high school, was brought in to provide current slang and appeared in multiple episodes. Ray Walston and Vincent Schiavelli both reprised their roles in the series. Dean Cameron subbed in for Sean Penn as Spicoli, Claudia Wells for Phoebe Cates as Linda, Courtney Thorne-Smith for Jennifer Jason Lee as Stacy, James Nardini for Judge Reinhold as Brad, and Patrick Dempsey for Robert Romanus, actually a step up, as Mike. We covered Ray Walston in episode 34 for My Favorite Martian, Vincent Chiavelli in episode 62 for The Corner Bar, Dean Cameron in episode 125 for Spencer, and Claudia Wells in episode 108 for Herbie the Love Bug. Moon Unit Zappa is, of course, the daughter of Frank. She made her first appearance in his single Valley Girl doing Valley Speak. Post-Fast Time, she went on to be a regular or recurrer on Normal Life and High School USA voice work, along with a lot of guest roles, as well as National Lampoon's European Vacation. Courtney Thorne-Smith appeared in the film Lucas just prior to Fast Times. Other films, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise, and Summer School. She was a regular or recurred on Day by Day, L.A. Law, Melrose Place as Allison, Allie McBeal, according to Jim, playing the long-suffering wife, Two and a Half Men, and starred in a series of Hallmark TV films, The Emmy Fielding Mysteries. James Narditi went on to a run on Baby Talk, a number of guest roles, and the film Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Patrick Dempsey started out as a juggler, winning second place in an international competition. He was invited to audition for a role in a stage production of Torch Song Trilogy, which led to a tour of Brighton Beach Memoirs. More stage work followed, and then a role in Heaven Help Us led to Fast Times. Dempsey spent the rest of the 80s and 90s mostly in films, In the Mood, Can't Buy Me Love, Some Girls, Lover Boy, Outbreak, Scream 3, before returning to TV, once and again, the truth about the Harry Quibbert affair, Devils, but is best known as Dr. McDreamy on Grey's Anatomy, winning three People's Choice Awards and two SAG Awards as part of the cast. More films, Sweet Home Alabama, Enchanted, they're currently filming the sequel, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Dempsey is also a race car driver, second in the 2006 Toyota Pro Celebrity Series, and in the 24 Hours of Le Mans, ninth in 2009, fourth in 2013, fifth in 2014, second in 2015, third in the 2012 American Le Mans Series, and seventh in 2013. He's a philanthropist against cancer. His mother had it five times before passing away, and he received an honorary doctorate from Borden College. Fast Times didn't do as well as the film, which is what happens to 99% of films turned into TV series, with only seven episodes total. Broadcast restrictions, the film was rated R, didn't help things. Reviews were scathing. From the Akron Beacon Journal, 
It would be better if the network programmers turned the hour over to repeated tests by the emergency broadcast system, the Detroit Free Press. With fast times, we have dull pegs, a reference to the far better square pegs. Found an episode on YouTube. The Oingo Boingo theme is reprised from the film in an 80s-soaked animated opening. It really seems like a realistic, if slightly turned-up version of high school, just not that funny. Glad they avoided a laugh track. More of 1986's sitcoms in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm filing this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.